0: For I love it here, leave me here, in His holy temple, beholding His beauty and the fragrance of His presence. For I love it here, so leave me here. For I love it here, so leave me here, cause I love it here. One more time in the presence of the Lord, in the house of God. This is where we are rooted. This is where we are provided for. This is where we are protected and covered. And it is our blessing that we are not left to be fending for ourselves on our own, that we have a family that is fighting along with us, that we have spiritual parents and leaders that are bringing the heart and the voice of God that are bringing us instructions and constant correction from the Lord from time to time. The last week in the service was such a big blessing to me personally. I do believe that there are so many generational chains that were broken. There are so many witchcraft, negative words that are spoken. Words that are spoken to hurt you, to paralyze you, to actually Destroy your marriage, your relationships, your career. Those words have been cancelled. And every witchcraft that has been done against your life. If you've come under that voice on the last Sunday service, you've been set free. You'll begin to see the manifestation of that freedom in the days to come. You will see your jobs start to flourish one more time. You will see perfect peace. In your home, you will see grace abound in your walk with God, in your ministry. My prayer is that when that happens, we will be able to trace that back. We will have that revelation of where it began, where it comes from. It is from that prayer, that word that was spoken, that superior word that was spoken over us. We learned how Jesus ransomed us that Jesus was willing to stand in the way. Our elder brother, instead of giving us up, instead of saying this is too much for me, he put himself on the line, went to the grave, went down, descended to the pit for three days and ransomed us, purchased our liberty, purchased our freedom so that we do not have to be bound or shackled or chained in a dungeon anymore somebody needs to thank the Lord right now somebody needs to praise his name somebody needs to lift up their voices and say thank you Lord thank you Jesus I owe you my life I owe you my blessings I owe you my peace my marriage my relationships my health everything good that I am enjoying today, I owe it to you, my dear elder brother, my redeemer, the one that paid the ransom so that I can be set free. We learned about it last Wednesday as well, how we've been set free because of the covenant that is made by blood, the blood of the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb, of God. For tonight's study, let us go back to the book of Revelation and we will read from chapter 3, verse 1, 2 and 3. Here we go. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars I know all the things that you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly, repent and turn to me again. And if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. What a stern warning and word of caution was given to this church. This is the church at Sardis. Jesus begins with saying, I know all the things that you do. And that you have a reputation for being alive. But you are dead. Jesus is looking at their works. Not at their heart, not at their mind, but at their works. Jesus says, I've been watching, I've been following, I've been intentionally looking at everything that you do. And on the outside, you have a reputation that you're alive that you are doing well, that you are progressing, that you are multiplying, that you are going to the next level, that you have been increasing from season to season. On the outside, you have this blessing and breakthrough going on for you. But I see what is deeper, I see what nobody else can see and I am telling you that you are not alive, you are dead. The wise among us should be quick to ask this question. What is it that Jesus saw in them that didn't qualify them to be alive on the inside as well? Why did Jesus say that you are looking like you're alive, your reputation is that you're alive, but the fact is that you're dead. What did Jesus see in their works? Other churches, there were so many other issues like they had uh, lost their first love or they had compromised with the spirit of Jezebel, or they had uh, lukewarmness in their spirit. It could be different things for other churches, but this church, it doesn't look like they have sinned on the outside, that they have done something really bad in their works. What was it that Jesus was trying to address to this church? That's what we want to unpack tonight and try to understand what the real issue or problem in this church truly was. The great danger with so many of us in the church today is that we evaluate ourselves by comparing ourselves to unbelievers or to the people in the world. And then we say, I don't do the sins that they do. I don't drink like they do. I don't hang out in these places like these guys do. I don't speak these languages, I don't watch these kind of movies. I am a clean person. I am qualified for heaven and we look at ourselves as people that are holy and pure and ready for eternity. Tonight, we may have to uproot some old ways of thinking and plant some new fresh revelations of What is it that Jesus is expecting from us? That we can be people that are separated, that are set apart, that are holy, that are pure, that our robes are washed. And still, we may have things in us. We may have an attitude. We may have an outlook to life that can end up disqualifying us from being the people that God wants us to be. See, the next line that Jesus tells them gives us a key to what was the problem with this church. Verse 2, it says, Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. Jesus is addressing the real issue with this church. This is a church that has a good reputation, has a lot of likes on Facebook, has a lot of followers on YouTube, has a lot of people attending this church. On the outside, it has a reputation for being alive. And yet Jesus, he addresses the church and tells them, you need to wake up. On a normal day, we wouldn't tell somebody who is awake to wake up one more time. This was definitely because this church was sleeping or inactive or passive in one way or the other and Jesus is addressing that and he's telling them you need to wake up, you need to be watchful, you need to rise up, you need to be alert. If you read the root word that Jesus used here, in Greek it is the word Gregorio which in the root meaning it means to keep awake and to watch to be vigilant and watch. So it's not just about being awake. It was about being awake and to be alert. If you read Matthew 26, this is the same warning that Jesus gave to the disciples that were praying with him. In the middle of the night on the Mount of Gethsemane, when Jesus was praying and the disciples, they were sleepy, Jesus would again and again go and ask them, would you watch with me for an hour? Let me read this out for you. This is Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was telling them that they need to wake up. See, partially the disciples were awake, partially They were awake enough to record everything that Jesus was praying. They were awake enough to know and understand their surroundings. And yet, Jesus found them sleeping. And he tells them, you need to be alert. You need to be awake. You need to be watching. You need to be active in your spirit right now. Else you will fall into temptation. Why? Because you're flesh is weak. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So right now, if you continue to sleep, if you continue to be inactive, if you continue to be resting, you are going to lose the battle. While you are sleeping, while you are still inactive, while you are still resting, you will end up losing the battle. To the church at Revelation, Jesus is telling them, Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, wake up, Gregorio, wake up, strengthen what little remains. This means that when they went to sleep, they had more than what they woke up with. During the time that they were sleeping, during the time that they were at rest, during the time that they were not waging warfare, during the time that they were not active in their pursuit of God's heart, there were things that were leaking out of their life. Strengthen what little remains. This is not your original portion, church. This is not what was given to you. But during the season of rest, during the season when you took it easy, during the season when you just wanted to laze, what happened was there was constant leakage from your spirit there was constant removal there were constant stealing and killing and destruction that was happening even without your knowledge now jesus is telling them there is a little thing that remains little blessing that remains there is a little grace that is left there is a little oil that is left there is still a little grace that is available for you would you rise up and strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead if you don't strengthen it then by the next time you wake up from sleep even the little that is left will be gone will not be there anymore that will power will be not there anymore that desire to fight sin will be gone again. That desire to now pray will vanish. The desire to give and sacrificially give that will leave you. So strengthen what little remains. Yes, I know that there are some of us that are very self-righteous and we feel that we didn't do anything wrong or we didn't do anything bad or that we have not been extremely sinful that we have not hurt anyone else but do you know that when you are passive, when you are sleeping, when you are not fighting for the kingdom of God, when you are not actively pursuing what God wants you to pursue, that is when you are the most vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. That is when you are the most exposed to temptations. We know the story of how David took a break from fighting the battle and he sat at home on his balcony choosing to relax and rest when all the other kings and their armies were going out for battle. Here was David, he was resting, relaxing, taking it easy, chilling with his family, chilling with his friends, chilling, having his own personal time, not doing what God had assigned him to do. And in that season of an unnecessary rest, David was now exposed to the temptations and attacks of the enemy that would consequently affect him for generations to come. It didn't happen on the battlefield. It happened when he chose not to go into the battlefield, when he chose to rest. See, I'm not saying every time you rest, it is unnecessary. I'm not saying that you should be anti-rest, but time that you rest from the plans and the purposes of God, anytime that you rest away from God, your rest cannot be outside of God. When you rest, you have to rest in Christ, in God, in his presence, in his word, under his voice. That has to be the place of your rest. When you choose to rest outside of where God has provided a covering for you, that rest is illegitimate. And that rest can now bring you exposure to attacks. That rest can now cause the enemy to steal from you. When you wake up, there will be only little things that remain. When much was given and much was provided, much was the blessing upon your life, but you've been sleeping, you've been taking it easy, now when you wake up a little of that remains a little of that oil is left a little of that grace is left but there is still hope jesus says if you will wake up now and strengthen and multiply and work on the little that remains then you still have hope jesus says verse two one more time wake up strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first, go back. You need to return back to the message that was given to you. You need to return back to the first love. You need to return back to the initial preparation. You need to return back to the first level of alertness and watchfulness. You need to come back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. Repent and turn to me again. Church, let's hear the voice of the Lord. Repent and turn to me again. Not repent and stop sinning not repent and do more of these things. He's saying, repent and turn to me again. A church that has taken a break from the presence of God, a church or a family or an individual that has stopped praying, that has stopped seeking the face of God is in fact living in sin and needs repentance. Let me repeat that one more time. Any church, any family, any marriage, any individual, any son or daughter of the Most High God. If you're living in a season of rest outside of the presence of God, if you're not praying regularly, if you're not spending time at His feet in every season of life, then you are in fact living in sin and you and I, we need to repent and turn to Jesus one more time. Jesus says, if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. See, this terminology was not new to the church at Sardis. If you read the history of uh, the city, this city is a very rich city. You know, It, it was the capital city of the kingdom of Lydia. That is the present day Turkey and it was a very wealthy city. A lot of gold used to come in and out of the city. And this city was naturally a fortress. It was a citadel that was built on a hill about 1000 feet above the ground level, above the sea level. And it was covered by mountains on three sides. Okay, and there was like a small narrow path, a small way by which people had access into the city. And that is why it was very easy uh, for the soldiers or the defense of this city, of this nation to guard this city, to guard the capital of this kingdom. There were only two times when this city was taken down and both the times that it was destroyed or it was captured, It happened in the exact same way. What happens is when the enemy comes, the whole city would put all of his efforts to guard the gate and the gates will be closed at night and the gates will be covered during the day and the tiny entrance, they all took extreme precaution to maintain that the tiny entrance will be well guarded. But both the times, this is BC 547 when Cyrus, the king of Persia, first invaded Sardis. Then it was BC 214 when Antiochus of Syria, he invaded Sardis. He invaded this kingdom of Lydia. And both these times, they did not come from the main entrance. And both these times, when they came, they came from an unexpected route. They came through the mountain range. And they came in the middle of the night when the entire city was sleeping, when they were not expecting the enemy to come in, when they were thinking that everything is okay. Nobody's going to hurt us. We have these mountains around us. We have these uh, cliffs that nobody can climb. We are well protected. We are undefeatable. In fact, Sardis was known as Sardis the impregnable that city that cannot be conquered, the city that cannot be invaded. And both times when they took it easy, when they stopped guarding the mountains, when they were sleeping, when they were not awake, when they were resting, when they were least expecting it, the enemy came like a thief in the night. That is how this phrase was born in that context that the enemy came like a thief in the night. And Jesus now writes to the church that lives in a city that understand what it means to experience an attack in the middle of the night, that knows what it means to sleep and be inactive. Jesus writes to that church and he tells them, if you don't repent, if you don't get active, if you don't change your ways, If you don't return back to me, if you don't remain awake, if you don't watch and pray, if you're not alert at all times, church, listen to me. I will come to you suddenly as unexpected, as a thief that comes in the middle of the night. My dear friends, it is such a sad and heartbreaking thing. If Jesus would say this to a church, He was never supposed to come as a thief in the night for the church. That was exclusively meant for the world. It was not for the church. But now Jesus writes to the church that is sleeping, to the church that is resting, to the church that is inactive, to the church that is not pursuing the plan and the purposes of God for their lives, the church that has taken a break when it's time for warfare the church that is resting outside the presence of God. And Jesus tells them, I may have to come like a thief in the night for you. I may have to come unexpectedly for you guys. And that may not be good for you. Let's read about this a little further in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, Dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. Apostle Paul is writing about the second coming of Jesus and he says, for you know, verse 2, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. He's referring to the same phrase and he says, this is how the Lord's return is going to be. It is going to be unexpected and it is going to be like a thief in the night. Verse 1 will set the context. He is talking about the timing of his coming, when all of this will happen. In verse 2, he is telling about the nature of his coming, which is that it is going to be unexpected and it is going to be like a thief in the night. Verse 3, when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then Disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And then there will be no escape. Jesus says, this is how the world will be caught off guard. When the disaster comes, when the tribulation comes, when the problems comes, when the challenges hit them. When everything is peaceful and secure, when the Antichrist will establish world peace and world security and it looks like there's never gonna be another war or poverty or problem on the earth. Disaster will come upon the earth all of a sudden. Labor pains will come all of a sudden, quite like what Sardis experienced when King Cyrus or this King Antiochus invaded this city in the middle of the night when they were least expecting it, when they thought that they are well protected, when they thought that nobody could invade or hurt them. Like a thief in the night, the enemy came in and destroyed everything. And the Bible says, that is how the coming of the Lord is gonna be like. Verse four of first Thessalonians chapter five says, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Paul is telling the church, the church at Thessalonica, he's saying, you have heard and you have believed, and you've been taught the word from the very beginning. And because of which you are not in the dark, because of which you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. Verse 5 is very clear. It says, for you are all children of the light and of the day and don't belong to darkness and night. Verse 6, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others, stay alert and be clear headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear headed, protected by the armour of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Paul is encouraging the church to not be asleep like the rest of the world, to not be sleeping and inactive, to not lose their alertness or their focus. There are two types of responses that people have to a night season. The first group of people, they sleep. They are inactive, they are not doing anything, they are just resting outside the presence of God, outside the voice of God, outside the will of God. The second group of people, they are getting drunk. Verse 7, it says, Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers, they get drunk. When one group of people, they are resting, another group of people, they are intoxicating themselves with the things of the world. They are indulging in things that is now going to cost them their focus. Now they cannot be clear headed anymore. They cannot think straight. They have been feeding themselves all this junk that is now controlling their system. They are no longer in control of themselves. The movies that they watch controls them. The people they hang out with controls them. The jobs that they have overcommitted to. Controls them now. It says that one group of people they've become inactive while the other group of people they have gotten drunk in this season. And Paul writes to the church and tells them, You cannot be like that. You need to be on your guard where it sits. You need to be awake. You need to be alert. You cannot be asleep like the others. You need to stay alert and clear headed through this entire season. Church, are you listening to me right now? I know that the Lord is coming very soon. We know that the Lord's coming will not be delayed. We know that we are at the very end of the last days. that the day of the Lord is going to come as suddenly as a pregnant woman goes into labor pain. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night for many in the world. But the real question is, how many of us in the church will also be surprised by the coming of the Lord? How many of us in the church will be caught up in all the disaster and all the tribulation and the challenges that the world is about to go through? How many of us in the church will be alert and clear headed? And how many of us are going to be caught asleep and drunk in this night season? If we live in the light, that has to be proven by our clear-headed nature. By how much we have protected ourselves by the armour of faith and love. And how much we have confidence in our salvation. That is a test of how clear-headed you are. Of how focused and alert you are. How much faith do you have in this season? Are you overflowing in love? Are you confident in your salvation? Are you constantly growing in God? Are you rooted in a church? Are you planted by the streams of living water? Do you have your bearings in the right place? The Lord is asking you who live in the light. Are you at guard all the time? Are you awake all the time? Are you alert all the time? Are you clear-headed all the time? Or the world around you is confusing you, is causing you to doubt the love of God, causing you to doubt your church, causing you to doubt your environment, causing you to doubt the word and the voice of God that is coming to you. Do you feel like you're losing your clear headedness? If that is you, today is your day of deliverance. Today is your day of clarity. Today is the day when light returns to that shadowed mind. Today is the day when you return back to Jesus. Today is the day when you come back to Him. You repent and you come back to Him. Today is the day when you wake up and strengthen the little that still remains. Today is the day when you revive yourself one more time. This word, it carries in itself a capacity to awaken you. The Lord is waking you up and setting you on the right path, on the right rock, on the right direction, on the right destination. Your prayer life is being revived right now. Your alertness is being restored. Your focus is being sharpened in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything that is lost, everything that the enemy stole from you while you were sleeping, that is now going to be restored back to you. You're gonna get it back, you're gonna gain it back, you're gonna fight for it. You're gonna stand up straight like a man of God, like a woman of God and you are not going to give in to sleeping or drinking anymore. In the name of Jesus, we speak this over every person that is tuned in this morning. Thank you Lord for your grace. What a beautiful presence of the Lord we have this morning, this afternoon or evening, whenever you're tuned in. I pray that the word will revive you. Let's finish with the one last portion of scripture for our reading tonight. This is from Luke chapter 12 and verse 35 onwards. All of these are passages that prepares us for the coming of the Lord. The book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 35, it says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. The Lord is giving an instruction to the church that is awake, an instruction to the church that has revived themselves, that has woken up from their drunken stupor or from their midnight sleep. And the Lord says, you need to be dressed. You need to be dressed for service. And you need to keep your lamps burning. In this midnight hour, you cannot be taking things easy. You cannot expect to be served all the time. You need to be ready and dressed for the service of the Lord. And he says, you need to keep your lamps burning. Both of it has to go hand in hand. You cannot just be all about service or you cannot just be all about keeping your lamp burning. Some of us, we overdo ministry. Some of us, we only do prayer. But the Lord says, can you do both? Can you do ministry? And can you do prayer? Both of it is necessary in the church. As much as you burn the lamps, as much as you keep the lamps burning, that there is fire on the altar all through the night. The incense is burning morning, noon and night. Can you also be ready and prepared for service? for the service of people, for the service of the kingdom, for the service of this king to be at his command. Be dressed and ready and prepared for service and keep your lamps burning church. Verse 36. As though you were waiting for the master to return from the wedding feast, then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment He arrives and knocks. You don't know what time the master is coming, but you need to be prepared and you need to be ready and you need to be waiting as though at any moment the master will come back. And I will be the one who will rush to open the door. I will be the one to let him in. I will be the one to serve him. I'll be the first to go attend to his needs. Verse 37 The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. This is exciting. I hope you're ready to handle the reward that is going to be given to them. It says the servants who are ready and are waiting, those who are not sleeping or those who are not drunk, those that are ready and are waiting for his return, they will be rewarded. And what is the reward? I tell you the truth. He himself who The master himself, Jesus himself will seat them and put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. This doesn't sound like an earthly master. This doesn't sound like an earthly king. This doesn't sound like an earthly kingdom either. Nowhere do you see the master serving the servant. Usually. The master when he comes back home from a long day, he expects to be served and taken care of. He is very cranky and annoyed by the end of the day. But here the Bible says this master when he comes, he is now going to reward this servant for being diligent and waiting and prepared and for being dressed for service and keeping his lamps burning. Now this master is going to ask the servant to sit The master will put on an apron and he will serve the servants as they sit and eat. Wow, what a glorious day that is going to be, my dear friends. I don't know if you're ready for it, but that's how the coming of the Lord is going to look like for you and for me. For those that are dressed for service and those that keep their lamps burning. Verse 38, he says, he may come in the middle of the night or just before the dawn, anytime. time. But whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Now, here is a very tricky statement that Jesus made. He said, He may come in the middle of the night or he may come just before the dawn. You know, there is a lot of theologians and a lot of Bible students and end time students that argue and fight about when will Jesus come? Will he come before the tribulation period? Will he come after the tribulation period? Will he come during the tribulation period? And all of us, we have our own views and our own perspectives and theologies and verses to quote at each other. But Jesus says, hey, he may come anytime. He may come in the middle of the night or he may come just before the dawn. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, it may happen before the tribulation, it may happen during the tribulation, it may just happen before the dawn, just before the coming of the kingdom. It can happen anytime. But whenever he comes, whatever time he comes, irrespective of the season, irrespective of if your theology was correct or not, he is not going to reward you for your theological affiliation. He is going to reward you for your preparedness. He is going to be rewarding you for how ready you are, how welcoming you are, how dressed for service you are and how much lambs you've kept burning in this season. Church, are you listening to me right now? The Lord is coming and he's coming with a reward for his dear servants. Verse 39, it says, Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Jesus says that when the homeowner, the master of the house, the one in charge of the house, if he knew what time the burglar is coming, then he will be expecting. He will not let this happen. But because the master of the house is unaware, the burglar will come at the most unexpected moment. And Jesus says, Guys, that's how it is going to be when the Son of Man comes. That is going to be the least expected of all, Then Peter asked this question, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? Peter wanted to be sure if this illustration is for the church or for the world. Is Jesus speaking about the people that have no clue about his coming or is he speaking about us, the disciples? Verse 42, And the Lord replied, A faithful and a sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will now put that servant in charge of all that he owns Here we read the qualification of a faithful and a sensible servant. See this is the servant that is awake and dressed for service and keeping his lamp burning. This is the servant that doesn't get drunk or goes off to sleep when the master is yet to come. Now it says that this is the servant to whom the master can trust and give the responsibility of managing his other servants, feeding them, taking care of them, clothing them, making sure that they are also dressed for service and keeping their lamps burning when the master comes. See, the question that Peter asked was whether this illustration was for the church or for the world, for the disciples or for the unbelievers. Now, Jesus says, a faithful and a sensible servant The one that is going to now get a reward from Jesus when he comes back is one that is trustworthy enough to be given the responsibility to now manage other servants and to help them and feed them and take care of them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job at what? Not just serving the master, but also in feeding the other servants in the house, there will be a reward for this servant who took care of the other servants. Are you listening church? Let me give you another sign of a church that is awake and active and alert. This is a church that is not just caring and preparing for himself or herself. This is a church that is now intentional in feeding the other servants in the house, making sure that they are taken care of and they are served and they are provided for. And that also will be a criteria when the master comes and sees that this church, they have not been sleeping when I am away. This church, they have been taking care of their community when I was away. This church, they have been feeding the poor when I was away this church they were preaching the gospel when i was away this church they were catering to the broken the needy the backsliding the ones that the world had rejected this church embraced them and took care of them and fed them spiritually physically uh, emotionally relationally the church was their home when the master returns he will put that servant in charge of the rest of what he owns. May that be our testimony when Jesus returns. Not just that we saved ourselves, but also that because of our preparation, because of our pursuit, because of our love for Jesus, there were others in my church, in my community, in my city, in my nation that encountered the same Jesus, the same God, the same presence, the same Holy Spirit. There were others who experienced God because of me. Let that be our story. Verse 45. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. Here is a different example of a servant who was beating the other servants and partying while the master was away and getting drunk while the master was away. The Bible says the master, he will return and to this servant, he's going to return like a thief in the night. To this servant, although he is a servant of the same master, although he is born again, although he has church membership, although he may even be doing ministry, although he may be doing everything right on the outside, he has a reputation that he is alive. But on the inside, Jesus sees what nobody else can see. Jesus sees that he is dead. Jesus sees that he has not been taking care of the people around him. Jesus sees that he has not been prepared in his heart he's not been awake he's not been uh, alert he's not been on guard Jesus sees that whatever life was there on him has been drained away and the bible says when he returns he will cut the servant into pieces and banish him with the unfaithful Jesus is making a clear distinction between the faithful and the unfaithful servant Jesus says one group of people they were not just prepared for me but they had this love in their heart as they waited for me love for me and love for my servants the other group of people they just did this as a chore for a wage for a salary If you tell them that the master is coming at this time, they will be ready and prepared and make sure that the house is ready and the servants are ready. But because the master didn't announce the time of his coming, they will be caught unprepared. They will be caught like a thief in the night comes to steal from a home and they will be left in the place of the unfaithful. When Jesus finds his church today, will he find you and me to be faithful servants? Will he find you and me to be awake servants? Will he find you and me to be watchful servants? Or will he find you and me to be drunk, partying and selfish servants? Let's read the last couple of verses before we finish for tonight. Verse 47, and a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. When someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Jesus says that some of us, we act in ignorance. Some of us, we sleep because we don't know what else to do. Some of us, we get drunk because we don't have access to anything better. Some of us, we live in uh, poverty, we live in sickness, we live in bondage, we live in a lifestyle of addiction and sin because we are ignorant about what is available for us. But there are others, that's you and me, we know what belongs to us. We know our inheritance. We know our rightful place. We know what Jesus did for us. We know the instructions He has given us. We know what He needs us to do in the midnight hour. The Bible says that the one who know and still don't do it, they will be punished severely, compared to the ones that didn't know and they didn't do it. I know that none of us on this uh, stream tonight are going to be caught in either of these categories, that we will be ones that know the heart of God, that are wise enough to search out the mistake of the church at Sardis that are wise enough to remain awake and active and alert in the middle of the night. Those who have their faith and their love in place. Those that serve the other servants in the house, taking care of them and feeding them. If that's who you are, or if that's who you want to become, then let me tell you, there is a great reward that is waiting for you. Not only when you get to heaven, But here on the earth, right now, in this season, everyone that is dressed for service and keeping their lamps burning, you are going to be rewarded and you're going to be provided for, you are going to be covered with the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together. Precious Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful evening time. We thank you for the time of prayer. We thank you for this time of meditating on God's word. We thank you, Lord, for all the instructions and the revelations that you've given us from your word. Lord, we admire your voice. Your word is like honey to my lips. Your word is a lamp to our feet. Lord, we submit to this word that has come to us and we Promise to obey every instruction that is hidden in there. In this next season, keep us clear-headed. Keep us focused. Keep us alert and watchful and prayerful and awake at all times. Fill us with divine revelations of where we lack or where we've gone wrong. Expose our failures or our weaknesses, Daddy. Don't let us fall into those things again and again and again. We repent of our prayerlessness. We repent of our sleep. We repent of our casual approach to our relationship with you. We repent and we turn back to you. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us the help, the necessary strength and the resources required to persevere till the very end. to not give up anywhere along the way. We love you, Lord. We commit each and every one of your children that are tuned in today into your precious hands. Because they are under the grace of my father, because they have been submitting to his voice week after week, we believe that not a single one will be lost. We believe that not a single one will stray away. None of us will be caught unprepared or partying or drunk when jesus returns we yield our hearts our minds our bodies our relationships our resources our finances into your hands prepare us for this end time prepare us for your coming thank you holy spirit in jesus name we pray amen what a beautiful evening that was I am so grateful to my father and my mother for the way that they have been leading us, ministering to us, preparing us for the coming of the Lord. It is necessary my dear friends that we do not take any of these moments for granted. Whenever the Lord speaks to us, whenever the Lord gives us a revelation, a breakthrough, a freedom, something that we were longing for, we have to immediately respond by building an altar. by. Giving to the Lord by saying, this is mine. I believe it. I receive it. I stand on this word. That's all for tonight. We will catch up again on Sunday morning. I hope that you will have a rooted rest of the week ahead.